You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your earphones or speakers or whatever you're using part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews. I'm here for another day of Blue Jays talk, and it's nice to have a Blue Jays win to talk about, which we got last night, a 6-5 victory over the Royals in Game 2 of a four-game set. We're going to talk about Ken Giles. We're going to talk about our, our new... Lord and Savior Danny Jansen. We're going to talk about the pitching, obviously, but we have to start with the hero from last night's game. And a lot of times, heroes don't wear capes, but a Superman's got one. And he put it on full display last night. Kevin Pillar with the big blow, the two run home run. In the 8th inning off Blaine the bus driver Boyer. And I call him that because of a story from earlier this year during the rain and miserable weather in Toronto when the bus driver got knocked out by the weather and Blaine Boyer actually took over the bus. That's why I call him the bus driver. Anyway, Kevin Pillar took him to school with two outs and Oleg Diaz on. Just smashed a line drive. Pretty similar to the Danny Jansen home run earlier in the game to make it a 6-5 game. And I I almost wanted to say, like, before that home run happened, like, if there's any justice in the world that Kevin Pillar will take this one out and hit 10 home runs and give the Blue Jays that ninth member of the 10-home run club. And he did. And... We thank him for his efforts because, again, that was that was going to be another perfect microcosm of what's wrong with the Blue Jays' offense. And it's weird to say that in a game that they scored four runs before that home run, six runs in total. So as much as they did against Tampa, but it was getting very frustrating trying to watch that team miss chance after chance after chance. And it's been the problem the whole season with the Blue Jays. They'll get these opportunities to really put the screws to a team and, and bury them in a hole early, and they can't do it. In the top of the second, they had the bases loaded with nobody out because he, Phil Meyer, was all over the place. He didn't have his his country club caddy or his footman there forcing the players to swing at pitches. So Phil Meyer was all over the place. And again, the Blue Jays just could not fully take advantage of it. Aledmus Diaz swung at the first pitch that Phil Meyer offered and grounded into a double play. It scored a run, but there's a reason why Aledmus Diaz doesn't get an RBI for that. It's because the net value isn't there. It it could have been so much better. Kevin Pillar did his job again 
in that inning. He had a single to score Morales, but with Russell Martin on base, who sadly is in the top two-thirds of speed in the Blue Jays lineup, with Martin on on base, that could have been an early 3 nothing lead. And 3 nothing leads are usually pretty good. Didn't help the Blue Jays in last night's game, but usually that's what you want. And it could have been more, because... They had the bases loaded again in the top of the third. It was a little more roundabout, but they had runners on second and third after that Justin Smoke double, and then Teoscar Hernandez strikes out because he was having one of those games that a young power hitter has when you don't make contact with anything. And when you do, it's it's just bad. It was, it was just frustrating to watch that game. From the, from the offense and watch, like, Phil Meyer gave them a run. The bases were loaded for Russell Martin and he got plunked. But, I again, a pair of strikeouts. It's, it's this mentality when they go up that they're still in that home run. Like, they got to get the big blow all at once as opposed to just having contact swings and, and poking balls the other way and just getting your RBIs that way. It makes it very frustrating to watch. And if it wasn't for Pilar's late heroics, that's what the story would have been. Just more wasted opportunities by this team. More more double play ground balls. More strikeouts that don't advance runners. It's, it's the little things that kill as Bush so eloquently stated in the 90s. And the Blue Jays just kill themselves every time by not doing those little things. And again, it it took Kevin Pillar putting on his cape to save the Blue Jays. And it, and it took a reliever, by the way, who hasn't had an ERA in three digits the entire season. Blaine Boyer's been bad. He's, he's like Matt Belisle, but for the Atlantic League. He, he's not been good. So you better take your opportunities. If Kansas City's going to stick Blaine Boyer out there, you better get it done against a guy like that who's struggled so much. So I'm glad Kevin Pillar was able to pull the Blue Jays' bacon out of the fire. So the other big story on offense from last night's game was Danny Jansen hit his first major league home run. <laughs> Claps for Danny Jansen. So it, it was exactly the kind of pitch that you want a young hitter to fully capitalize on. And I said this on Twitter last night, Phil Meyer left that pitch way too fat over the plate. And Danny Jansen is a contact hitter. So he's not usually one to try and barrel up a ball like that. He just wants to get wood on it. But he rocked that pitch into the left field stance. And and it was an exciting moment. I believe I went all caps on it. Which, you know, yelling. I don't do it as well in real life, so I gotta do it on Twitter. So, that was so so heartening to see them already being able to recognize those kinds of pitches and take them yard because other than that it was a rough second game for Danny Jansen and it kind of affected his buddy starting pitcher Ryan Barucki as well Ryan Barucki had a bad night 
Uh, he only lasted four innings, walked four, six hits, four earned runs allowed, only struck out one, and it it was a struggle for Ryan Barucki. And it's there are a couple of factors that played into it. One was a strike zone, which Marvin Hudson doesn't get as much stick as other umpires in the league, but it was not a well-defined strike zone. Seems to be going that way for a lot of umpires lately. I know Ben Zobrist of the Cubs got in trouble for insinuating that that's why umpires were going to be replaced by robots, which I know has its fans. And hey, if we get the robots in time for Super Baseball 2020 to have at least one thing come true in its title, I'm all for it. But no, in addition to struggling with that zone, because Baraki, of his of his 81 pitches, he only got 43 in there for strikes. And he got contact on a lot of them. So the Royals were easily finding what Baraki was putting in the zone and letting Marvin Hudson take care of the rest with the balls. So it was a struggle on, on that side. And then the other thing that really seemed to be playing into throwing off Baraki was the speed on the base paths that the Royals were showing off, specifically Adalberto Mondesi, who is better known as the son of Raul Mondesi, the ex-Blue Jays outfielder who they got for Sean Green and never really did anything. But Mondesi on the base pass was an absolute terror, and he took full advantage of Barucki, who prefers to work quickly and prefers to go right to the plate and doesn't really want to waste time having to look over batters. And Jansen, who, you know, second start in the big leagues, was coming up throwing a lot of times, but Mondesi's so quick and he got such good jumps off Barucki and, and even Joe Biagini after he came in, he got so many good jumps that he was just putting himself in constant position to take advantage of the Blue Jays and their their relative inexperience in that facet of the game. And Jansen did get one runner. He got Brett Phillips at second on a pitch out, which was very well executed by the Blue Jays. It was That was a really good call. But again, it seemed to throw Baraki off his game and not getting those calls at the plate also didn't help. So it, it kind of highlights something with Ryan Barucki's game that he probably needs to work on. That is putting the external factors out of his mind, the things he can't really control. Like you cannot control what Modesty is going to do once he's on the base. He's, he's going to decide whether he wants to jump and steal or not. You can't control what kind of strike zone Marvin Hudson's going to give you. But you have to be able to just focus on your own game, on what you're trying to do as a pitcher, and work within that. And it was tough for Barucki to do last night. Does he take lessons from this going forward? I hope so, because I think Ryan Barucki is a part of the future and can potentially be a number three starter for this team, who didn't really have any prospects for that outside of Stroman and Sanchez for the past couple years. So I would like Ryan Barucki to be that kind of person, but he has to be able to put those sort of things out of his mind and be able to focus on the task at hand. And, and I'm not 
faulting Danny Jansen last night. It, I mean, he's called Ryan Barucki dozens of times for, throughout their careers, starting back in Bluefield and, and coming up. But while Jansen was showing the ability to try and get strikes, and, and he did do a good, good job framing a couple pitches that he got that were kind of low on his own, it's just that Marvin Hudson wasn't biting on them. And maybe it's because... He knew he had a young catcher in front of him. So Jansen's maybe has to do a better job in-game adjusting to what he's getting from the umpire, at least until the robot umps are ready for deployment. So all, all in all, a mixed bag for both of them, but the rest of the season is a learning experience. So hopefully they move forward and take... The lessons that they did, especially when when Barucki was able to get out of a bases loaded situation in the fourth. Because like we said with Sean Reed Foley yesterday, that's the kind of thing you want your pitchers to experience. So they know in the future, if they get put in that situation again, they can get out of it. They They know they have the capacity to do what they need to do and moving forward. It's not that big of a deal for them. So, all, all in all, you know, it's it's the kind of experience that you want your young players to get. So, I want to end today's episode with the way the pitching staff ends, with the bullpen. And specifically, we got more Ken Giles talk, because I decree there is more Ken Giles talk on the podcast. Ken Giles was exactly what he's supposed to be last night. He was ruthless on the meat of the Royals order. And there's not a lot of meat. But he made Alex Gordon look foolish on a slider. He made Sal Perez look foolish on a slider. And then Jorge Bonifacio is a 207 hitter. So he does what 207 hitters do. They ground out. And... I, I said this after the blow-ups that Giles had over the past couple weeks, but that is exactly what Ken Giles needs to go out there and do if he wants to regain that status as one of the elite closers in Major League Baseball. He only needed 12 pitches last night. That's great. That's what you want to do. You, you want to keep things from getting out of hand. He did a great job getting ahead early on hitters, using his fastball to get early strikes, and then setting up that slider that is almost unhittable when a batter is looking fastball. So I was very pleased with Ken Giles. I was very pleased with most of the bullpen last night. And we should give special shout-out considerations to Joe Biagini for pitching two scoreless innings last night. Gave up a couple hits. He had that runner in scoring position on third base. But he worked around it, didn't let it phase him, and was just solid delivering pitches in to those Royals hitters. And that, again, is what the Blue Jays need to see moving forward. Just ability to get those ground balls, the ability to put those base runners out of your mind, don't let them affect how you approach the game, and and just effectively execute. And it was... 
a pleasure to see Joe Biagini do that. Because how many times a Blue Jays fan seen Joe Biagini not do that? It's been pretty frequent. Also, we should give a shout out to newly deputized Lugie Thomas Pannone, who was called on to get one batter last night and did not pull an Aaron Loop. He got his one batter. He struck, set Alex Gordon down on strikes and looked comfortable doing that. I'm not sure I like Thomas Pannone in this role. I think he projects more as kind of a long man, kind of like what Brett Cecil used to be for this team. But I'm not the manager, so I can't really make that call. But I I was happy to see that. I was happy to see another Tyler Clippard outing that went as expected. Clippard's been really good since the trade deadline. I don't know if the team's still looking to move him. They They may be able to find a buyer for him, especially a team like Los Angeles, who... Just lost John Axford to a fractured fibula, which that really sucks for Axe. We we want to give him our well wishes and regards, and hopefully he can get back on the field soon. But there are still teams that are going to be looking for relief help that aren't named the Yankees. So Tyler Clippard might still be on the move yet. We we learned Curtis Granderson cleared irrevoc the revocable waivers, so. It's very possible he's going to be moved before that September 1st deadline, which is which is going to be good for the Blue Jays, because that means they can solidify that Grichuk, Pilar, Hernandez outfield for the rest of the year, and possibly call up Billy McKinney and get him some at-bats, or Anthony Alford, or even Dalton Pompey if they want to give him one more shot at this before they make a decision on him at the end of the year. I, I don't think it's looking very good for Dalton Pompey, but stranger things have happened. Anyway, that's those are my big takeaways from last night. You know, again, great per- performance by Kevin Pillar to save the Blue Jays from another embarrassing defeat. Great performance by the bullpen. Barucki and Jansen are still learning, but Jansen hit that home run, and we like home runs. So, All in all, a good performance. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Locked on Blue Jays. But I just want to let you all know that I know NFL season is coming up. And I I used to be in on the NFL as much as the next person. But if you're listening to the Locked on podcast, you should check on Locked on NFL because... They have a bunch of experts coming on. Matt Williamson's the host over on Locked On NFL. It's a brand new lineup. Every Monday, they're going to have local people on just discussing the biggest stories. Um, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus is going to join on Wednesdays. Mike Sando from ESPN, he's on Thursdays. And yeah, if you're an NFL fan, you can follow on Apple, uh, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah. While you're there, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast, Locked On Blue Jays, and you know, leave a rate and review if you want, because uh, I ge- I generally value myself based on what other people think of me. So I would appreciate the comments. You know, tell me how you think I'm doing, how you think the podcast can be improved, other topics you want to talk about. I'm more than happy to do so. 
And if you want to get at me directly, you can find me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. And check out Locked On Blue Jays on there. Check out jaysfromthecouch.com for any of my written stuff. It'll be up there. And yeah, just again, thank you all so much for for listening in i i said at the start it's been a rough day for me but y'all keep me going your your wishes of support and i am grateful to that every time because again it it keeps me going and some days i mean that literally so again thank you all for joining me here on locked on blue jays i've been ryan andrews Thank you so much again, and y'all take care.